Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, it's a Christmas miracle. Isn't it? Today on Seahawks Forever, my rapid reaction to the Seahawks and their Christmas Eve 20 to 17 miracle win over the Tennessee Titans. It was a game that was ugly, looked like um looked like Santa was bringing us some coal. Like we weren't good this year, so we get coal in our stockings. But he was just playing a little trick on us, right? Shortly after I had changed on the PSF live stream with Dana O'Gorman today into my Seahawks Santa hat, which if you're watching the YouTube, you can see now. And I apologize in advance for it. You can always go over to the audio version if you don't want to see how I look in a Santa hat. Shortly after I changed to that, the Seahawks started pulling things together. A much better second half, although there were issues. There were missed opportunities. It's a game that shouldn't have come down to the final play, but for the second week in a row, we see the Seahawks quarterback lead the team on a long drive to ice things and win it. Wasn't the same quarterback as last week, but the result was similar. We'll break it all down in this rapid reaction episode. Another Seahawks victory on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. 20 to 17, the final score in Nashville today. The Seahawks win their second straight. Came down to the last drive. We're going to see another speech from Pete Carroll, right? Can you win it in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter? No. Can you win it in the fourth quarter? Yes. Seahawks did that today. A 20 to 17 win. They score 17 of their 20 points in the second half, limiting the Titans to a uh, touchdown. In the fourth quarter, after being down 10 to 3 at the half, the Titans dropped to 5 and 10, just 4 and 4 at home for that team. They came out and played hard. They were down four defensive starters in this game. And with Ryan Tannehill back at quarterback instead of Will Levis, who had given the team a spark on offense the last couple of weeks, he was out with an ankle injury. Uh, we'll take a look at the numbers. I have not prepared anything. This is true rapid reaction, but I uh, had some time. I know I said on my Twitter feed at Seahawks Forever earlier this week that I uh, wouldn't have time, uh, but my schedule changed a little bit today. So we'll be able to get this reaction in. Certainly a game that I want to react to. Uh, how do you feel about it? What do you think it says about the team? That's always the question, right? This team more than really any other that I can remember over the last few years is one that is equal parts aggravating and frustrating and kind of mysterious. And part of the reason is that they show you enough 
um, to breed some optimism. They show you enough to get excited sometimes. We have talked at length this year about how the end result just isn't um, what we feel like the sum of the parts should be. That the parts are there and that maybe they're not being coordinated properly. They're not being coached properly. I thought today one of the storylines was against a Titans defense that was missing their best defensive player, Jeffrey Simmons, in the middle up front. Thought that would kind of give the Seahawks offensive line a break. Coming off a pretty good performance against a really good defensive front against the Eagles. First time all year that all five of their offensive linemen played 100% of the snaps. I think that happened again today with Bradford and Lewis going the full game at guard and and Abe Lucas being 100% healthy now, which is nice to see. Uh, But the offensive line wasn't great. And I think going into the offseason, it's going to be one of the storylines. Are they good enough there? Will they be able to expect a leap from Anthony Bradford in year two? Will Olu Oluwatimi be ready to take over the reins at center and maybe be an upgrade? Do they bring Damian Lewis back? Is that the right move? Is he good enough? We saw Charles Cross early in this game just get absolutely, completely beat one-on-one off the edge by Arden Key, a guy who has, you know, shown flashes, but, you know, on his second team now and, not exactly a superstar over there. So some questions up front. Couldn't really get, even though they tried, I think it's easy to say to a fault to get the running game going uh, because it wasn't really generating much, but you can't just completely abandon it either because that was that was a criticism we had earlier in the year. You can't have it both ways. You have to try to stick with the run and continue to try to establish it or get something out of it, even if it's not working great. You can't just throw it in the trash bin early. Um, And Gino was under pressure at times. His first game back, we saw some rust in the first half. I thought that was one of the storylines. There were two throws in particular that looked almost identical. Back corner, uh, back left post of the end zone, one to JSN, one to Colby Parkinson, where it looked like he was just a beat late on those throws. And, And in both cases, JSN and Parkinson, um, almost made spectacular catches, but didn't quite have time or the right angle to get their feet down and make the catch because the ball was just a beat late. You could see that's where Gina wanted to go with the ball. He just wasn't getting rid of it on time. And that's something that we had pointed out before he got hurt that sort of turned his season around, really starting with the second half in the commander's game. Uh, and there were even some moments where, where he looked good in the Rams' loss. And then going into that four-game stretch, showed moments against the 49ers in both of those matchups. But really that Cowboys game was the one where it looked like it clicked in and then his internal clock had sped up. And and he and Shane Waldron, Pete Carroll talked about how he's getting rid of the ball quicker, making quicker decisions, more decisive with the ball. And it showed up in his play. And it just seemed like um, early in this game that there were a couple of instances where that was the case. Now, late in this game, I thought he was really decisive. And certainly on that last drive, um, he was, and it was funny because, uh, Michael Sean Duger tweeted at the beginning of that drive that, uh, Seahawks had all their timeouts left. He tweeted something innocuous, just, you know, Seahawks with a minute and whatever it was left on the clock and all three timeouts left. And there were quite a few comments that in, in it, on his Twitter feed that basically implied that it doesn't matter because Geno Smith stinks. And one guy even said, Geno's not that dude. To which I tweeted later, like, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Uh, because for the second week in a row, as I said at the top, 
the Seahawks starting quarterback took them down the field uh, in impressive fashion. It started with after the absolutely stupid penalty by DJ Dallas to get the ball um, closer to the goal line and Geno Smith standing in his own end zone starts the drive with a, uh, let's see, what was it? Starts the drive uh, with a 20, uh, with a throw to JSN. Now I can't find the average or the, uh, the yardage on it. Uh, to get him going and get him out of there. Um, 14 plays, 75 yards, 224 on the clock. Left about 50 seconds left. And so for the second week in a row, the game-winning drive didn't end the game. It wasn't a walk-off. And the defense still had to do their job. Um, but I want to talk about Geno first. He completes a uh, pass to JSN, an incomplete to DK. And then Tyler Lockett was kind of the unsung hero today, I thought. And it was interesting on the live stream, Dana and I spent some time in the first half talking about his future. That sometimes he seems like an afterthought, that sometimes it seems like he's kind of the number three receiver now after Metcalf and JSN. He's had some drops this year, some in key moments that, you know, he's got some things going on off the field, outside of football. He's sort of planned ahead for the next phase of his life that, you know, what's his future look like? Does he want to keep playing after this year? Do the Seahawks want to take on that $27 million cap hit next year. Could that be better spent if they spread that out with a post-June 1 release? And then he comes up with, I think he had nine catches. Maybe he ended up with 10 catches. Let's take a look at the box score. Uh, yeah, he ends up with eight catches, eight catches, 81 yards, along a 21. Many of those for uh, first downs. And on this drive alone, I think he had three. Um, a couple of Ken Walker runs. Uh, but there was a big time, big time throw on third and 14, right after the two minute warning, they come out after the break and Geno Smith throws an absolute seed over the middle of the field on an in-breaking route to JSN for 18 yards and a first down. Um, Seahawks would have gotten a first down on that play anyway. There was a defensive holding call away from the play, but of course they declined that, um, Big time throw, absolutely big time throw. These these are the kinds of throws that Geno makes that not, I, I say it, you've heard me say it on the show, that not everybody in the NFL is capable of making or would even attempt to make. Just a, an absolute, can't wait to see the all 22 with the overhead uh, or behind the, behind uh, the whoa, hug. Whoa, whoa, Hold I on. absolutely would not say. Man, if anyone out there who knows uh, Google Chrome really well or... How how can I watch? Uh, how can I have the ESPN website up without getting those auto played ads? Drives me absolutely crazy as I try to do something like this. Is there a way to turn those off? Somebody help me out. DM me with that uh, because it really makes it tough to look at this stuff live. Um, but no, Tyler was big uh, in particular on that last drive. A couple of first down catches, and then the defense had to end it. Um, you know, the Titans had time for six more plays and they start the drive off with a sack, which was, um, uh, uh, Boye Mafe. I think that was his second sack of the day, kind of a resurgent, not a comeback game for Boye, but his production had, had stalled a little bit. And then a big time sack on first and 10, they had gotten to midfield. They were 12 yards away from field goal range with a chance tied up, sending it in overtime and a big time sack. 
uh, at the 50 with 29 seconds left that essentially iced the game. And what I absolutely loved about that play is, uh, is who was involved. If you go back and watch the replay of that game or of that particular play, Leonard Williams absolutely made that play happen. Just blew it up from the inside with a bull rush and had a guy with his arm wrapped around his waist. Um, absolute missed holding call, but it still worked in the Seahawks' favor because it freed up Draymond Jones to get the sack. Uh, Jones, who had gone out earlier in that drive, looked like he was banged up, um, but was able to come back in, um, which was uh, really, really nice for the Seahawks. Um, saw some interesting things from the defensive line there too. We saw Cam Young getting into the rotation in the second half. That might've been a kind of an answer from the Seahawks on trying to stop the run because that was certainly one of the storylines of this game as well. Um, with Derrick Henry kind of looking like his old self. He ends up running for just 88 yards. Most of those were in the first half though. The Titans averaged seven and a half yards per carry in the first half. Ty, uh, Ty J Spears, the rookie, also chipping in with 40 yards. Um, but they did a much, much better job in the second half against Derrick Henry. Much, much of that without Jordan Brooks, who left real scary moment there. Didn't see the replay of how he injured it. Uh, but Jordan Brooks left the game, had to be carried off, could not put any weight on his left leg. Obviously, the first place our head goes to is, uh, is it another knee injury? Is it another season-ending knee injury? Is it the same knee? I can't remember if it was the left or right that he hurt last year. Turns out it was an ankle injury. Now that's a good or bad news scenario. Good in the sense that it's not a knee again, but it looks severe enough. If you can't put weight on that thing or even walk off under your own power, we may have seen the last of Jordan Brooks for the season. Thankfully, the Seahawks had, had gone into this game with a little bit of a different defensive game plan. And on running downs, they were playing uh, 4-3 in their base with Devin Bush out there alongside Brooks and Wagner. So they were able to kind of switch back to their, their regular scheme and go back to a essentially a 5-2. You can call it a 3-4, but a 5-2 with the edges up front. And uh, and Devin Bush was active and he was in the game plan and he had been playing, didn't have to come cold off the bench. Um, and I thought he played pretty well just at first glance. It'd be interesting to see what some other people who analyze the game think about his performance later. Um because it'll obviously be huge down the stretch if Brooks isn't able to get back and play. DK Metcalf, a couple of big catches in this one. Four for 56 is all. Uh, and he had a clutch, clutch touchdown. Colby Parkinson with the game winner uh, with just under a minute left. Um, kind of an old, the kind of play we used to beg for when they had Jimmy Graham. Just throw it up and let him make a play. And he did. And that was fun to see. So a really cool moment for Geno Smith, especially coming off of what we saw Monday night against the Eagles with a lot of people. We, we saw it during this game. You know, Geno did miss on some things. He just looked a little off accuracy wise. And he looked healthy. He was able to move around, had a, had a big scramble at one point. Uh, the groin looks fine. But, you know, the second he ever does anything wrong... People are going to say, maybe we should go back to Drew Locke. And we saw that throughout the game today. Saw it in our in, in the chat room on PSF. Saw it on Twitter. Someone even had the audacity to say, oh, Gino took a sack at one point. And someone said, Drew definitely wouldn't have taken a sack there. How do you know that? How, have you seen enough of Drew Locke's career to know that? It's a ridiculous thing to say. 
Uh, but Gino overall, 25 out of 36, 227 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Didn't even really come close to throwing an interception. Got sacked three times for 12 yards. Kenneth Walker really never got going. He had one big run, a 24-yarder uh, that gave us some hope. But 16 carries, 54 yards. Zach Charbonnet only had two carries for zero yards. Wasn't involved at all. Had one catch for minus four. In the first half, I think what we'll hear Pete say after the game will mirror what he said last week against the Eagles. That They wanted to come out and establish the run in the first half, but they just couldn't get it going and couldn't sustain drives. At one point in the first half, they only had 17 plays run to Tennessee's 28 or 29. Just not a lot of opportunities there. Um, now, here's what most people are saying about this game from what I've seen so far. Um, they didn't take the Titans seriously. They didn't come prepared. We're going to take these one at a time. Also, we got screwed by the refs. Right? The last drive where the Titans went down, scored a touchdown to take the lead, there was a long pass interference call on Trey Brown facing DeAndre Hopkins on a third and long. And I'm with you on, it was a bullshit call. There was a lot of contact, but it was Trey Brown was trying to backpedal and tripped over his own feet and was falling backwards. And Hopkins, I think on purpose, recognized it in the moment and just ran into Trey Brown, ran him over. There's a term that we used to hear all the time in the NFL. And I don't, I feel like we haven't heard it in eight years. Incidental contact. Now, Brown wraps his arms around Hopkins, but he's trying to protect himself. He's literally falling straight back as Hopkins is steamrolling him. He didn't grab. He didn't initiate contact. I just, I don't feel like that should be a call. I don't. But... Well, and let me get to my other point too, the coaching thing. Did you not expect the Seahawks to come out and kind of play a sluggish game? You're coming off a short week, Monday night. An emotional game, which wrapped up a four-game stretch against the three best teams in the NFC. Back to back to back to back. You pull out that last second win. On a short week, you miss a day. You have to travel to the East Coast and play a 10 a.m. start. And as good as Pete Carroll teams have been at 10 a.m. starts, this had that feel to it of when they used to struggle under Mike Holmgren. They just came out sluggish a little bit in the first half. But here's what I'll say about both those things put together. Football games in the NFL come down to two or three plays here and there. And the team that makes those plays usually wins the game. This year, more than ever, we're seeing scoring being down. We're seeing it. It seems, I don't have any metrics to back this up, but it just seems from all the football that I watch on a weekly basis, it's harder than ever to predict games. I've never been a gambler, but I certainly wouldn't want to be a gambler this year. Like you think you know something and you don't. Look at how Carolina performed today, right? You just never know from one week to the next how a team's going to play. You got to come out and play well. You got to have a good game plan. You got to execute. You got to play hard, but you have to make those two, three, four, five plays throughout a game that are the difference in the game. Some of you might think the second game against the 49ers down in Santa Clara that they, you know, dominated us. 
No, they made those three or four plays. Seahawks had those plays today and, and missed them. I mean, things would have been much different on the first drive. This wasn't anything negative about the Seahawks' performance, but but there was a third down, a third nine, I think, throw to Jake Bobo that was right at the sticks that looked was called an incomplete on the field. Pete correctly called for the review because it sure as hell looked like a catch to all of us, but because it wasn't inconclusive, they stuck, stuck with the play uh, as called, or, or Seahawks would have had the ball cross midfield. They were moving the ball. But here are the plays I'm talking about. Uh, DK Metcalf gets a gets a ball at the one yard line um, and drops it with a chance for the Seahawks to have first and goal to one, and he drops it. It's a play you should make. 50-50 ball jumps up. He's bigger and stronger than the other guy. Uh, you got to make that play. Um, Seahawks are driving in the early fourth quarter. Another field goal drive could have been a touchdown drive. There's third and long. Or no, they actually, this the drive that I'm thinking about ended in a punt. Third and long. And uh, they run a little flare, a little screen pass. Not a screen because it wasn't set up with blockers. Just a little flare in the flat to Zach Charbonnet on the right-hand side. Absolutely perfect throw from Geno Smith. He has all sorts of grass to run in front of him. Probably gets the first down and has a chance to get out of bounds and stop the clock if they want to. And uh, he drops it. Just flat out drop. Seahawks end up, that was the one where they end up you know, taking a delay a game and they end up having a putt. And then uh, on the Titans, drive to take the lead late in the game. Reek Woolen, or maybe it was a drive right before that. I'm just going off memory here. Reek Woolen has a pick six in his hands. Absolutely reads uh, an out route on the left-hand side. He was starting today because Trey Brown was still a little bit banged up. So he started on the left side. Mike Jackson on the right side to start the game or the other way around. I'm sorry. Um. But in this case, he was on the left-hand side and he had an absolute interception in his hands that would have been a pick six, given the Seahawks a lead at the time, and he dropped it. So you can talk about how you don't think Pete had these guys prepared. You don't like Shane Waldron's play calling. You don't think Geno's the guy, or you think that the ref screwed us out of the game today. They had a chance to make plays and they and they didn't. And too many times this year, that's been their problem. However, you cannot deny that there's there's this team hasn't quit yet. Certainly, that's not even in that's not even a question. But they got a little something to them. They kind of remind me of um, you know a couple of years ago. Mariners had had that team. Well, it was the year they broke the drought and made the playoffs, where they weren't they were in the middle of the pack in the American League. They weren't a very good offense. They were very inconsistent. I think they got shut out 12, 13, 14 times throughout the year. They they would really throw some clunkers out there. It was a struggle for them to score runs. But yet, they had a knack for coming back and winning games late. And this team, we all, we all feel like the offense should be better than it is. Like I said, better than the sum of its parts. But we've seen, how many game-winning drives is that now? Detroit? Cleveland? Washington? Is that five game-winning drives now? And two of them of the really dramatic variety of having to go the, the length of the field. And actually, the Seahawks' first touchdown drive today was a 94-yarder. They got a little something to them. And I'll say this, for, for those of you who want to debate, you know, Geno Smith versus Drew Locke, how about for now, we just appreciate the fact 
that we have two quarterbacks capable of doing this. How many other teams in the league can say that? You might get a guy that comes in and gives you a spark once in a while. Starter goes out. Guy comes in and leads a drive. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. But two legit, like, John Elway playoff games against the Cleveland Browns legendary type drives to go down the field and and score. Facing some third downs, facing some adversity. Uh, I can't wait to see and listen to the the, the post game stuff. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And it, what it does is it keeps the season's playoff hopes alive. Right, the Seahawks improved to eight and seven. And as it stands right now, would be the seventh seed tied with the LA Rams. They would be the seventh seed in the conference. The Vikings lose to the to the Lions today. So the Detroit Lions win their first, first division title in years. And I think I heard today uh, guarantees them a home playoff game for the first time in Ford Field history. Kind of cool to see. The Vikings put up a fight, came back late in that one, but they dropped to seven and eight. And uh, so right behind the Seahawks, Vikings at seven and eight, Falcons at seven and eight, Packers at seven and eight, Saints at seven and eight. So that's your competition. So the Seahawks now continue to control their destiny. Come home on New Year's Eve to play, play the Pittsburgh Steelers. It has been announced that Kenny Pickett will come back, despite the fact that Mason Rudolph led him to a win yesterday. Uh, Kenny Pickett will start at quarterback in that game, and then you travel to Arizona to play the Cardinals. The Seahawks win out now. We know this. We get to, They get to 10-7, and seven, they make the playoffs. And there's still an outside shot to move up to the sixth seed. Although... Uh, I think the Rams' final two games, let's take a look at that, I think are pretty favorable. I think the Saints game that they just won was their toughest. Yeah, they're at Giants. Oh, that's it. So they're at Giants, and then they're at 49ers to finish the game, but the thought might the thought is that the 49ers might have things wrapped up um, for the number one seed by then and might rest some starters. That remains to be seen. Uh, right now, the, the 49ers and the Lions are tied with 11 wins apiece with the 49ers facing the Ravens on Monday night. So if the 49ers lose to the Ravens, that number one seed is still in play for the Lions. So there's still a a chance that 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 last game of the year could mean something for the 49ers. Um, So if the playoffs started today, the 49ers would get the bye and the Seahawks would travel to Ford Field to face the Lions. Right? Only one team gets a bye now. Isn't that how that works? A six seed would play the two seed. 
the Rams would play the Cowboys and the Eagles would play the Bucks. Interesting. Um, how do you feel about the game? What do you think your keys to the game were? Who were the stars? Who were the duds? What what pissed you off? Um, how do you feel uh, about this team against Pittsburgh? We'll certainly talk about it later in the week. It's a weird one, right? Pittsburgh has been as up and down and, and unpredictable as any team this year. They've had all sorts of issues at the quarterback position. They've had to play three guys there. There are Pittsburgh fans that want Mike Tomlin out. Remarkable, right? I saw a Pittsburgh fan literally on Twitter this morning say that he has ruined the franchise. That's delusional. But they've lost, before pulling out that game against the Bengals, they've lost four of their last six. They lost four, four or five heading into that and giving up a bunch of points, uncharacteristic on defense. Uh, it's a 105 game on New Year's Eve on Fox. Um, but that's where we're at. The Seahawks back in the playoff picture after back-to-back weeks of game-winning last-minute drives by two different quarterbacks. Remarkable. Unbelievable. Um, you know, we'll have to track some injury news. It'll be interesting to see what Pete says about Jordan Brooks. Uh, JSN banged his knee in this one um, on that failed catch in the back of the end zone, banged it on the on the cement wall at the end of the stadium at the bottom of the stands there, but, you know, came in, came into the game uh, after that. Um, but we'll need an update on that. Uh, Draymond Jones, as I said, left, came back. I don't think there were any other big injuries today to speak of. Um, you know, I thought, I thought coverage was good. There were times when, when Tannehill dropped back and didn't have a quick throw, didn't have his immediate read. Um, and you know, we saw them get better against the run in the second half. I think that's something they can take into the next game against a Pittsburgh team that we know likes to be physical. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks forever. Like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you would. So you never miss uh, notifications of new episodes. If you're an audio podcast listener, you can subscribe on Spotify for 99 cents a month right now and get rid of those ads. And if you want to buy me a Christmas gift, you like what I do, you want to support me or the channel, buy me a coffee or a beer at buymeacoffee.com. That link is in the description. Uh, I will be back in a couple of days to take a look at the Steelers, um, take a look at the Steelers matchup and Seahawks. Uh, take a look at the playoff picture. We'll play around with the ESPN playoff machine and look at some different scenarios. Can the Seahawks still make the playoffs if they lose one of their last two games? Uh, we'll look at that, certainly. And then um, more news on Jamal Adams. Hopefully, Devin Witherspoon, who was inactive for this game. Sounds like kind of a similar situation to Geno Smith last week, where he just wasn't quite ready to go, even though he made improvement late in the week. So I would hope, maybe even expect Witherspoon to be back out there against the Steelers. I am Dan Vianz. This is Seahawks Forever. Thank you so much for watching. Have a very Merry Christmas. Enjoy your time with your family and friends and loved ones. Thank you so much for watching the show and supporting it. It has been one of the best things of this year for me. Um, something I've uh, really, really enjoyed. And I am grateful for all of you who support me. So Merry Christmas to all of you. And forever and always, go Hawks. Have a great holiday, everybody.